Well, once again, good morning, Gateway Church, and I am reliably informed that we're both in the building now and online, so a huge welcome to you wherever you are, um, and we're really delighted to be gathering together as a church, uh, which is what this is all about. Uh, wherever we are, we're recognizing that we are centered upon Jesus and that we are one body. We're, we're pulling together, we're rooting for one another, we're in prayer, in fellowship, in communion, sharing in ministry and in mission. We're all about Jesus and what Jesus is doing in the world. So um, with that in mind, would, if you're in the building here, would you stand with me? And uh, you're more than welcome to do so at home as well. We'd love us all to be engaging with what we're doing. Um, we're going to be coming into a time of uh, song worship. We're going to be led in some songs uh, in the building, of course. Uh, we're not able to sing presently, uh, but we are able to respond to God with hearts of, of joy and uh, with, with the delight of, of knowing his goodness. So with that in mind, we're going to pray. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you that Sunday is here. And Lord Jesus, we might in one sense think, well, it's just a day. It just comes around week by week. But no. This is a day, well, yes, that you have made and that we are going to rejoice and be glad in. But even more than that, this is a day, Lord God, that you have planned and purposed for us to rest in you and to be renewed in you, to allow you to recreate in us and to create through us something remarkable and good. So, God, we're committing ourselves to that. We're saying, Jesus, have your way in us. Uh, do what you have already decided to do, what you know is best for us. And here we are, surrendering ourselves to that truth, giving ourselves to your purposes. God, be glorified because you are good. Amen. Isn't it good this morning to know that we are children of God? Would you like to take your seats? Well, it's wonderful to be with you. We're going to say good morning and welcome to Gateway Church Bake Off. Who likes cooking? Who likes baking? There's a few you like baking well I thought this morning we could bake a cake okay because Pastor Karen is wonderful at baking cakes and cooking confession I nearly set fire to the kitchen last night well, that's another story but there we go so we thought maybe at home you might have your props with you so anybody like chocolate cake anybody like red velvet cake Sorry to disappoint you, we're not making those this morning. We are doing lemon drizzle cake, okay? Now, I'm cheating a little bit because it's from a box. But here we go. What we're going to do, first thing is first, is get one mixture and throw it in. Yep. I will clean up later. And get another mixture. And throw that in. Is that looking good so far? Yeah. Okay. Always good to read instructions, isn't it? Yeah. So place items into bowl. Done that. You will need two medium eggs. Here we go. Oops. We've got one egg. Hold on. throw it all in. If you know me, there's nothing ever in my house until I go shopping. I haven't been shopping this week. So one egg in instead of two. Then it says some sugar. Don't have sugar in the house, so salt. That's about six tablespoons, isn't it? Yep, six tablespoons of salt. Uh, next instructions, oil. Don't have oil either, so we'll go with vinegar. 
It'll come off. Uh, eight tablespoons of vinegar. And then give it a mix. Kids, you're okay. You can't come up on stage, so you're okay. Give it a good mix. Crush those shells. Oh, it smells really nice. Honest. Is that looking good? And then we're going to put it in the oven for 25 minutes. So at the end of the service, anybody who like a cake? You're insulting Pastor Karen. No cakes. Hopefully at home, guys, you are doing a lot better than this. Now, I made a couple of mistakes, didn't I, on that? It's because... I didn't read and follow the instructions. The actual instructions said three cakes, seven tablespoons of vegetable oil, and bake. Now, I didn't have the oil, so I replaced things with what I shouldn't have replaced them with. And as we think about it, how many of us follow instructions to a T? Some of us do. If we say to the men, if you're putting up some DIY at home, how many things do you have left over at the end? Many. I've, I've been finding that out recently. There's been a few bolts left over kind of thinking, but it's still up. It's there. We don't always follow the instructions, but the instructions are there for a reason, aren't they? They're there for a purpose, to help us, to keep us safe, to follow what is right. And of course, as we think about today, we're thinking about Exodus and the law. And God gave the Ten Commandments for a reason, because the people thought they knew better. How many of us sometimes think we know better? How many of us ignore the sat-nav in the car and kind of go around in circles or thinking it's a shorter cut? We think we know better, don't we? But God set the Ten Commandments to help the people of God out. And I want to encourage you today is to think about, think about the Ten Commandments. Think about what God is saying to you. We spoke last week, didn't we, about God keeping his promises. And God gave the Ten Commandments to help us to follow him and to do what is right. In 1 Kings 2, 3, it says, keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. How many of you want to prosper and do what is right this morning? We want to prosper in God, don't we? So can I encourage you here and at home, is to do what is right in the eyes of God. Follow his direction. Follow his instructions. And send me a proper cake, somebody, please. I quite like red velvet or chocolate. Let's see some of them. It's half term this week, so maybe get cooking and baking at home, children. Have some fun. Maybe post some of those pictures on Facebook. I'm normally a big fan of eating a bit of the batter out of the bowl, um, but I'm going to resist today. I think I can do it. Um, I'm going to be all right with not having any of that. Um, really, really helpful illustration, though, isn't it? Although a little bit close to the bone when she started referencing um, DIY projects with bits left over. Um, clearly been around my house uh, this week. I don't know why Erin is nodding, so no, okay. Um, and, uh, and, of course, you, you ignore the sat-nav because you're right. Isn't that... Can I get an amen from any of the gentlemen? Yes, thank you, Jeff. 
You are, you are my people. Um, wonderful stuff. Anyhow, we are going to be diving into the latest installment in the story of God uh, this morning as, as we're journeying, really, um, very quickly, all the way through the whole of the Bible and through all of human history. Because what we're seeing, really, is that things within creation, within our world, even within our lives, uh, they're not just random instances happening in some crazy order. Actually, God has purpose. And God actually has huge value and purpose upon our lives. And so what we're doing is unpacking this story week by week, getting to know who God is, who we really are, um, and, and what God is wanting to do in and through our lives. The big picture for today, and as Karen has already mentioned, we're talking about both Exodus and the law. The big picture for today is to understand um, these truths. God rescues his people from slavery and oppression to sin. That's what we've had sung this morning, isn't it? I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Um, as well as we unpack the story, we're going to see that God gives the law to show folks how to live with him as their God. It was, to, it was shown to, to people who had been rescued from slavery, showing them how to live in their new freedom. God gives his chosen people a way to atone for their sins and live close to him. They were to be a people to display God's glory to all of the nations around and about them. But sadly, they rebelled again and again and lived with their own ways, doing what was right in their own eyes. Once again, like Adam and Eve, trying to determine good and evil for themselves. It's a pretty pervasive problem within humanity. Now, we are going to cover a huge amount of distance this morning. So if you feel a little bit like you've gone through a whirlwind or a tumble dryer after today, don't worry. We want you to be a part of one of our Transform communities, our midweek um, gatherings of the church, so you can unpack some of these themes um, together. And, uh, and via our church prayer line, um, I am, uh, as we speak, sending... Um, the, uh, the questions as we progress um, through um, this morning. So if you've got questions, if you want to interact, then do please um, shoot messages back to our church prayer line. If you're not sure of what that is, um, well, I'm sure we can get the slide up at the close of the gathering. Right, here's a little bridge story. We're going to get all the way from Abraham to Exodus. Um, so in, in a paragraph, um, I think we can do it. Um, so this is one story. It's going to span a lot of years. It's really important stuff. So Abraham, we talked about how God promised and the son came. Years later, that son, Isaac, that we talked about last week, he would have his own son named Jacob. And his name was later changed to Israel, which the descendants of Abraham would be called. You see here that there's a kind of a theme developing, isn't there? Of God changing people's names, changing them to things which have significance in the story. He's you know, it's almost as if God knows that people are prone to forget what's going on or to lose sight of what's really important. And he wants them to be reminded of his good, perfect, and right purposes, even when they're hearing their own names. You know, that's exactly the same reason that I wanted to call my kids, do as you're told, and bring daddy a coffee. Um, but th those names were vetoed. I don't know what was going on there. They seem like really stand-up names for children. Um, in, in all seriousness, most of the names I suggested were vetoed, but with good reason. Um, you can ask Aaron about that. Um, well, Jacob, this guy who's going to be called Israel, he had 12 sons. One of his sons, named Joseph, ended up living in Egypt. Joseph invited his family to join him 
to escape a horrible famine that covered all the land. Now, while living in this new country, Egypt, the people of Israel grew into a large nation. You see how some of the promises to Abraham are getting fulfilled, are coming true? But after Joseph died, the king of Egypt named Pharaoh feared Israel because of their great numbers and how God had prospered them. He treated them horribly and made Israel his slaves. And the slavery lasted, get this, 400 years. That's horrendous, isn't it? I don't, at the moment, we feel like, you know, we, we don't want to go on another day or another week or another month with what we're dealing with at the moment. Can you imagine 400 years? Maybe you don't want to imagine that kind of thing. Uh, but God still promised that he would bless his people. And so now we come into this story of deliverance and of exodus, which is such an important key story um, for, for our understanding of what God wants to do in our lives. See, God's people, they cried out for deliverance from slavery. I often encourage you as a church, one of the very best prayers you can ever pray to God is help. Um, And you don't need to really complicate it any further than that. Just pray, help, help. It's a prayer of humility. It's a prayer of faith. It's a prayer of deeper understanding than you might realize. And it's a prayer that invites God's goodness. And they did this. God heard their cries. And and the Bible says he remembered them. It's not that he's forgotten them, but actually it means that that God's good and perfect purposes are coming to their uh, perfect moment. God used a man named Moses to rescue the Israelites from slavery. He sent Moses to warn Pharaoh that terrible things would happen to the Egyptians if they didn't release God's people. Do you remember how God promised to Abraham, I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you? Again, the promise is coming true for Abraham's people, his nation. Pharaoh, though, was arrogant and he didn't listen. So God sent a series of horrible plagues to punish the Egyptians. But these plagues didn't affect his people, the Israelites. God turned water to blood, filled the nation with frogs, gnats, and flies, killed livestock, covered people in boils, destroyed the land with hail and locusts, and brought great darkness over the land. And in spite of these horrific events, Pharaoh would not let the Israelites go. Can you imagine what kind of a heart, what kind of an arrogant attitude does a person have to see all of this affecting their own people and still turn their face against God? Wow. So God sent one more plague. This is a terror, but it speaks very profoundly into what God is doing and his means of salvation. It's a plague that would take the life of every firstborn, every firstborn person and animal in all of Egypt. But again, God provided a way for the firstborn of Israel to be spared. He instructed them to take a firstborn male lamb without defect and sacrifice it to him without breaking any of its bones. Then they were to take the blood from the lamb and put it on the doorposts of their homes. So the people of Israel did what God told them to do. I mean, once again, we've, almost, we've kind of been singing a little bit about this this morning when we talk about God being the lion and the lamb. And we see him here in this story. He's fighting for them as a strong and mighty lion. But even here, we're, we're seeing foreshadowed this sense that God will be, as it were, the lamb that will offer himself for them. And, and what's happening here, even in this time of Exodus, is we're looking ahead to Jesus coming and giving himself. So the people of Israel, they did what God told them to do. At midnight, God went through Egypt 
and the tragedy happened to the life of all of the firstborns. But, but God passed over the homes that had blood on their doorposts. Now, the Egyptians, of course, they wept over this tragedy and begged the Israelites to leave, releasing them from their slavery. Now, Israel, a large nation by now of more than two million people, set out to return to the land God promised to Abraham. But Pharaoh wanted revenge. He still hasn't changed. He sent his armies after Israel to catch them and kill them. When the Israelites approached a body of water, the Red Sea, they thought that they were trapped by the waters and would be caught by the Egyptians. But God split the waters so the Israelites could cross the river on dry ground. When Pharaoh's armies tried to cross behind them, God brought a huge wind that blew the waters back over them. The Egyptian army was completely wiped out. It's a profound story, isn't it? And I know we've, we've gone through such a huge amount in such a small amount of time. So as we come now into uh, hearing another song of worship that is going to lead us to consider um, both the glory, the power, and the goodness, and the rightness of God, I've got a few questions that I want to perhaps lead you to meditate on and think about um, during this time. The first question I've got for you, and I think they're going to come up on the screen and, and, and on the live stream as well, is what do you learn about God in this story? What do you learn about God in this story? It's a huge expanse of time covering lots of different people and lots of different things within the story. Um, we might learn an awful lot. Uh, secondly, let's get into some of the detail. How did we hear that the Israelites could avoid the death of their firstborn? Or what did we hear about the, the, the nature of, of that lamb? That they were to offer that lamb that was also firstborn, male, perfect, without defect in any way, and then the blood would be the means of their deliverance? You can see how this is starting to sound a bit like something that's going to come later on in the Bible, if you know a bit about the Bible. And they had to go inside, and they had to hide behind the blood, as it were, as death passed through the land. God was their provider. And here's another question as we're coming um, to, to, hear, um, to, to be led in worship. In what other place in the story have we seen that the life and blood of an innocent animal was given for the sake of covering another person's sin. Do you remember how this theme has been unpacked for us already? Do you remember Adam and Eve? And they got it wrong. By their own choice and doing, they'd separated themselves from God. But, but God, when sending them out from the garden, he still wanted to protect them. And so animals had to be killed so that he could make some clothing, coverings, protection for them. Over and over again, God is showing us this theme that he will do whatever it takes, give whatever it takes, so that the people he's drawing to himself can be saved. So we thank you, Jesus. When you set us free, we are truly, eternally free. Lord Jesus Christ, we praise you because nobody else can offer this kind of freedom. Nobody else can deliver as you do. Lord Jesus Christ, we want to both rejoice in these truths, Lord God, and ask you to, to help us to understand them, to appreciate them, to walk in them, Lord God. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 And so we find ourselves with a people who have been um, 
dramatically, profoundly, powerfully delivered from slavery. And how so much of the, of the imagery and the reality that the truth of what God has had to do to bring about that deliverance speaks also into the whole story of God. Um, I'm not going to say too much about that. That comes up in future installments. But, but now we find ourselves with a people who've been delivered. And, and two months uh, thereabouts after leaving Egypt, the Israelites, they set up camp at the bottom of a mountain called Sinai. God descended onto the mountain in fire, in a thick cloud of smoke covered the mountain. God called Moses, the leader, into his presence on the top of the mountain, and there God spoke to him, saying, tell my people this, you saw how I carried you on eagle's wings and rescued you from Egypt. Now, if you obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my treasured possession." a kingdom of priests and a holy nation set apart to represent me. When Moses came down the mountain, he told the people what God said. They all agreed. We will do everything God asks us to do. No, really, we will follow all the commands. After that, God gave Moses instructions on how the people could return to following his ways, live in freedom, and be a light to the other nations. And we call these instructions the Ten Commandments. You might know roughly how they go. Things like, I am your God who rescued you from slavery in Egypt. Put me above everything else. Do not worship other things. Do not misuse or disrespect my name. Remember to set aside a day each week to rest and to worship me. Honor your parents. Don't murder, don't steal, don't lie. Don't sleep with anyone but your husband or your wife. Be faithful. And don't even lust after what others have. Be satisfied with what I give you. God gave Moses more instructions called laws to give to Israel. These laws gave specific details about things like how to treat your neighbors, how to treat your enemies, how to handle conflict, what is fair punishment, when to work, when to rest, when to celebrate and worship, what offerings are acceptable to God. But the people did not want to live within God's boundaries, and they rebelled again, calling these instructions a new kind of slavery. Oh, the irony. Even those who tried to obey these rules found they couldn't keep them perfectly because God always does what is good and right and perfect. He could not overlook their sins. And the ultimate punishment for sin is death. A life must be given to pay for each person's disobedience. But God loved his people. So he provided a way for them to substitute the life of an innocent animal in the place of their own. People would bring pure animals to God, asking him to transfer their sins to that animal. The animal was killed and its blood was given in place of the guilty person. This system of sacrifice continued for hundreds of years. Eventually, God would ask his people to build something that they would call a temple, a building where God's presence would dwell among his people, and these sacrifices could be made. After performing a series of rituals, the priest would enter into a special part of this temple called the Holy of Holies, behind a curtain that symbolized the separation between God 
who always does what is good and right and perfect and the sinful world. Here the priest would offer a sacrifice for himself and the people. Sacrifices for sins would have to be given day after day after day, year upon year. And God accepted them, but only as a symbol of what was to come. He was preparing a final sacrifice that would pay for the world's sins once and for all. Once again, in this next part of the story, we're, we're unpacking some huge themes. And, and you'll have to forgive me, there's not a lot of detail there. Uh, we're going all the way through the Exodus, the law, and indeed the prophets, so we can get towards Jesus um, from next week onwards. It's a huge amount. But perhaps as the team want to come back and, and lead us in another song shortly, once again, I've got some questions um, that will perhaps help us to start to, to, to wrestle with what's going on in the story here. You know, it's not a quiz. Um, you know, you, you don't get to sample some of Karen's cake if you are the winner at the end. Uh, you'll be very pleased about that. Uh, it's more of a dialogue. And again, I would invite you, you know, if you want to chat with me about this at the close of our gathering, do so. Use our church prayer line. Better yet, be part of a transformed community. But here are some questions for us to wrestle with. Why are the sacrifices and the blood important? You know, what, what's going on there? And we're starting to see a little bit of this being unpacked for us, but we're starting to understand about sin and rebellion not being something you can sweep under the carpet. It needs to be rectified. The Bible talks about atonement. It must be paid for. And we remember, we remember don't we, how we learned that the, the covenant God made with Noah, do you remember it said that the life is in the blood? Do you remember these things? Remind yourself, what is a covenant? What is this promised relationship that God has made with, with his people? Who's it been given to? Abraham, yes, but do we see how God is keeping his promise with more and more and more people? Could it mean that God wants to keep promise relationship with us? What do you think the Israelites could do to keep their side of the covenant? Does that tell you anything about how you should live, how I should live? What are the consequences for disobedience does it mean that God's going to break his promise or, or something else what are the purposes of these commandments these laws why does God put these rules that even even for perhaps those who are good who are trying their best that they're finding that they can't really meet the standard not perfectly at any rate is God setting us up to fail or is he maybe showing us that we need more we need a different way a better way what do these commandments show us about us? I'm going to invite you to stand if you're here in the building. We've been sat down for a while. Uh, and to contemplate these things and you know, wrestle with these questions. Offer them to God. If there are things that are troubling your heart or your mind, why don't you simply pray to God? He, he's present here. He wants to talk with us. And you can ask God, what's going on? What do you want to say to me? What do you want me to do about it, God? Jesus, we thank you because of your ultimate sacrifice the deliverance that you have offered to us, Lord God, this free gift of grace. We know that we are yours and we are forever yours. So God, humbly, we want to surrender ourselves. Not so that would just be something that we say, but it would be how we live. That we are yours. Amen. Amen. You're more than welcome to grab a seat. And we're going to 
coming to, to, to land this morning with the, the, the final part of our story today. Uh, and as we've been doing, we're, we're, kind of, we're traveling a long, long distance. Just to give you a, a bit of a, a sense of where this next part of the story comes from, we're entitling this Kings and Prophets, or potentially the entire rest of the Old Testament. Uh, so pray for me. We've got like five minutes to do this. I reckon we can make it. Um, look, we're looking in Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, 2 Samuel, 2 Kings. There are prophecies here from 2 Samuel 7, Isaiah 7, 9, 40, 53, 61. Are you making notes? Uh, keep up, keep up. Um, Micah 5, Psalm 22, Zechariah 12. It's a huge amount here. But what I'm, I'm hoping you can appreciate and begin to understand is it's one story. It's one story. And it's all journeying in a very, very particular and absolutely wonderful direction. Let's start to figure this out a bit more because, you know, I don't know whether you've noticed in, in good stories there's good news quite often, isn't there? But there has to be some bad news that comes first so that the good news seems even better. Have you noticed that in stories? This is just the stuff that I read. You just read things that are just happy all the way through, don't you? Um, but this story, it's going to seem to be going pretty wrong before it comes right. I have to say that's, that's, that's a product of human nature. As we know that God is good and perfect and right. But sadly, we're not always. Have you ever found um, that you've, uh, well, have you ever lost rather something precious? Something really important to you? And life is just so much harder or sadder for the loss. You ever lose your way, perhaps, fail with your directions and find yourself lost and wondering whether you'll ever get where you belong? I read this week of a really fascinating little story um, about a a ship um, back from the 18th century called the San Jose. And it was one of the largest treasure galleons in the Spanish fleet. But on June the 8th, 1701, the San Jose encountered British ships, and and it didn't go very well for them, sadly. It was at the height of what was known as the War of the Spanish Succession. The San Jose, it wasn't, you know, just some vulnerable little thing. It It was equipped with 62 cannons and a crew trained to fight. It was ready for war. However, as we understand it, there was a store of gunpowder on board which ignited, sending 600 souls and an unprecedented haul of gold, silver, and emeralds mined in Peru to the bottom of the ocean. Does anybody fancy finding out where it is? (laughs) Well, apparently somebody has, although they're not letting on. Um, Treasure hunters have been searching for it for decades, you know, for as long as they've been able. But recently, an underwater robot from the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute has found the treasure. Wow. Found what seemed lost. Found what was so incredibly precious. It seems a bit like a, a metaphor for life, doesn't it? That, that in life we can have what's so very precious right there. We've got it. We're journeying. Everything's going well. But at the same time, we've got the means for our own destruction and downfall right next to it. That gunpowder. Life can be a bit like that, doesn't it? We've got what's so, so good. But then just you know, one, one wrong move <laughs> and everything blown to smithereens. It's a bit like that for the people of God. After wandering the desert for 40 years, you remember how God gave them everything they needed to, to live right with him and journey where he was sending them? But, ah, do you know, they, they really didn't want to do it. They wandered for 40 years, but God led the people of Israel finally across a river called the Jordan into the promised land and helped them recapture the land from their enemies. 
God gave them many victories in battle and completely honored his promises to them. But again, the people rejected him and worshiped false gods. False worship led to so many other horrific sins. Because of their sin and their disobedience, God removed his protection and allowed them to be overpowered and indeed punished by foreign nations. When the people suffered, they came back to God and they begged for his help and forgiveness. God once again forgave them and sent leaders who are called judges to lead them in defeating their enemies. Now, when you hear about judges, I don't want you to imagine somebody in a powdered wig and a gown. Uh, that's not the kind of thing that's going on here. Largely, these are, these are warriors um, and people who um, lead the people in a righteous and right way. Battle after battle, Israel conquered their enemies at every border. In victory, the people would worship God. But soon again, the people would turn away and live their own way. And it became a pattern from generation to generation. The people of Israel would come to God. They'd worship him when they needed help. But when things were going well, they returned to worshiping other things. This was a time when everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And since kings ruled over the nations they could see all around about them, the people of Israel complained to God, saying, we want a human king. We can see to rule over us. Another way of putting that is, we don't believe that you're enough, God. It's a terrible thing to say, isn't it? A betrayal of something corroded in the heart, but it's what they said. And because God was gracious to them, he gave the people what they wanted. And because God wanted to teach the people, he allowed them to be ruled by a succession of kings who, well, to put it mildly, varied considerably. One of the earliest kings, though, was named David. Even though David did sin greatly against God, and we don't want to lionize any person too much, God still called him a man after his own heart. You see, God made a covenant with David and promised him that one of his heirs would be a king who would reign forever as king over God's people and also as king over the entire earth. Unfortunately, the line of kings descended from David didn't return to God as David did. They continued to rebel against God and his authority. And so God sent prophets to challenge the kings and the people to obey God, to fulfill their role. Remember, they're supposed to be a light to the other nations, to bring blessing to the whole earth. But time and again, they refused to listen to these prophets because of their rebellion. God removed his protection from Israel and her kings and allowed other nations to come in and conquer them. The Israelites were forced out of the promised land and they were sent into exile. Four centuries. God's people, Israel, would be out of their land and under the oppressive thumb of one world power after another after another. But God graciously continued to send prophets to the people even while they were living out in exile. And the prophets told of a hope that one day God would make a new covenant even with this rebellious people. He would do this by sending a great savior, an eternal king called a Messiah. And this Messiah would fulfill the covenant himself. He would do what the people couldn't do for themselves. He would redeem God's people from exile 
He'd bring them out of another earthly slavery, but so much more. He would truly save God's people. And he would rule over God's creation forevermore. It sounds beautiful, doesn't it? It sounds like the, uh, the kind of promise that we want to get to after so much turmoil and trouble at times past. But despite the warnings of the prophets, the people of Israel stopped listening to God. And God did not speak again for 400 years. As we come again to be led in this song of worship, I got a few more questions for you to contemplate and to meditate upon. I want you to ask yourself, what to you are the most striking characteristics of the history of the Israelites? What really jumps out at you? It might be the moments of, of the profound grace and goodness of God. Maybe it's, it's these moments of judgment and justice that perhaps trouble you. And maybe it's the sadness of their rebellious hearts. What's the pattern that the Israelites got into? That pattern maybe of turning to God when they're in trouble, but then rejecting him when things go well. Does it sound like the kind of pattern that we might live in from time to time? Honestly, do we talk to God when things are tough, but we ignore him when things are fine? Do we talk to God when we agree with him, but ignore him when he challenges us? What's the pattern of our lives How are we living in relationship with God? Or maybe not so much. The Bible teaches us, and we know the truth of it, Jesus, that there is no other name, heaven on earth, by which we can be saved. God, we thank you that we know the name of Jesus. We thank you that we know the truth about you, Jesus. And we know your saving grace. We know the way of the cross. We know the power of God at work within our lives to save us. Lord Jesus Christ, we're praying uh, for for many that we know. Uh, We're praying for friends. We're praying for family. We're praying for people who might be um, watching this service or catching up on this at another occasion who maybe don't know that you are their hope, their salvation. Jesus, would you speak life to them? Lord God, we pray for those of us who do follow you, Jesus, that we would take those words of life to those around us for their good and your glory. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. Well, I've got a couple of notices I want to share before we draw into a close. Uh, Once again, just to apologize for the brief uh, glitch we had at the start of our gathering. But having said that, um, can we just this morning, and whether you're online or here in the building, could we appreciate everybody who's working so hard to to do everything they're doing? Uh, All the tech team and, and the worship team and the hosting team and the online hosts and all that's happening. It's um. It is hugely appreciated, and, uh, and I, sometimes we, we don't realize, do we, how much goes into all of these things, but, but there's so much good that's happening, and with that in mind, just to share with you a few additional things that I've already mentioned, I think about 57 times, our Transform communities, I'm going to say it one more time, uh, make sure you're a part of one, look, you can't get the most out of this story without being a part of one of those communities. I'm going to be in, in the, the prayer tent outside afterward, if you want to receive prayer or chat, I'd love to help you connect with the Transform community as well. Um, you're more than welcome 
welcome to, to do so. A couple of other things that we want to really flag with you. Uh, you may already know that, that day by day by day on Facebook, if you just look for Gateway Wirral um, at 8 p.m., we're gathering around the story of God um, in, in a bit more detail there. And we're just taking 10, 15 minutes. Who am I kidding? 15, 17 minutes um, because it's Pastor Greg who's talking. I'm terribly sorry. Um, but we just take a little bit of time each day. And, and primarily, it's not about teaching. It's about gathering and encouraging one another. So if you've not yet had the opportunity to be there, then please be there. It'd be lovely to see you. And um, a couple more things to let you know about. We are going to be pausing in the Story of God series from the 15th through to the 29th of November um, to take some time out and to process through um, some themes of, of grief and of loss and of remembrance. And it is a series that's going to be particularly for those of us who perhaps have lost loved ones over this season. I know, um, you know, there's so much loss to do with COVID particularly, but there's a lot of other loss that I'm very much aware of within our church and how difficult it is um, to be able to grieve appropriately within these um, restricted times. And so we're wanting to make a bit of space uh, to allow God to, to comfort us and to speak into these circumstances. Um, but also to see how God, he is at work and he is making everything beautiful in his time. And he wants to pour grace even into the toughest of circumstances. So it, it's for us as a church, if you're aware of other people who would benefit from that, please do invite them along, whether in the building or online. And along with that, we're going to be um, facilitating a course that's entitled The Bereavement Journey. And it's for people who perhaps have lost loved ones over recent weeks or months or even years. And it's a, it's a time and a space for people to engage with some really positive and helpful content to process through this journey. And once again, it's yes for people in our church, but for others as well. Um, that's going to begin at the beginning of November. So we'll get the details out, but do please make these things available to you. And lastly... I know I'm bombarding you with a lot of information, but we are working as well, um, dare I say it, um, towards Christmas. I know it seems like a long way off, but we want just to kind of invite you to consider to um, think about inviting people along to something we're planning. We're planning a drive-in Christmas special. Um, it's going to be carols, candlelit. It's going to be lots of interactive elements. There's going to be some great video parts to it. Um, we're working, hopefully, once again with our friends down at the Woodside um, Drive-In Cinema. Um, it's going to probably be on Mondays and Tuesdays. Uh, we'll let you know the dates exactly in December. Uh, but once again, we're hoping that you'll be able to invite people along to it. Um, and that is just going to be fun. Um, does anybody want some fun in life? Yeah, so for the seven of us that want fun, uh, we're going to be there. For the rest of you, you can just sit at home and be miserable, I guess. I don't. Uh, uh, okay, but, but God bless you and God encourage you. Uh, would you like to stand if you're here in the building, if you're at home? I know we're a little later um, today, but the band are perhaps going to play us out. You've got one more, I think, haven't you? Um, <laughs> play us out. That sounds a bit strange, doesn't it? Um, but, you know, do please just continue to engage with God. The prayer is available. If you want to give, um, you can give um, at the back of the building. I think the link's going to come up online as well. God bless you and God encourage you. And we look forward to journeying through yet more of his story together. Amen. Thank you.